This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. All right, we're about to start Breaking Normal on the Breaking Normal podcast again. 8.08 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, every Monday, new episode. Can you believe who this episode is going to be with? Ra of Earth, also known as Ronnie Teasdale, also known as like Purium Powerhouse, also known as like we talked about Egyptian sex magic and way beyond. I just can't. I had a feeling we were going to get into some crazy topics, and it happened, um, including like the sun's in my eyes like right now, but it's also super smoky right now in Boulder, Colorado, um, and it's through a window, and we get into that. We get into sun gazing. We get into uh, the topic of why I haven't really shaved normally at all since our conversation and that was a while ago i've interviewed two more people in the meantime as well so uh paul reese the psychedelic christian book is coming out including my interview with him is coming out next monday and then ayla niero oh my goodness if you don't know her spotify her genius super powerful but let's get back to raw because this was epic. Um, one of the things we did talk about was when he was bodybuilding slash CrossFit training, he would use liver tablets to get an edge. And I was like, yeah. And the thing is that tribe vitamins, in my opinion, has the most potent liver supplement out there. And it's not a tablet because it doesn't have any other ingredients inside the capsule. It has one ingredient, either 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, bison liver raw slash freeze-dried milled and then put into a capsule because uh, let's be honest the uh that's so weird i said let's be honest that's so normal um but let's be honest uh the normal palate is not really trained to enjoy the taste of liver but it is also arguably the most powerful superfood on earth and that's probably why the vast majority of our data indicates that most people get a big hit of energy slash libido when they take them in the beginning and then they seem to uh long term get like an ultimate multivitamin effect of improved skin hair nails vision teeth and all and also like a lot of gut things going away holy moly that's on the more miraculous edge long story short tribevitamins.com and then raw gives like the ultimate sh- like most efficient pitch for purium which i'm also a part of which i'm so proud to be because they have some of the products that i love the most that tribe vitamins does not have and uh, i talk about that but long story short if you're looking to get in on that i shop purium.com slash breaking normal and although it's not like Tribe Vitamins or Purium is officially sponsoring this podcast in the normal sense. Uh, those are that's what I'm involved in for sure. Um, that's what I use on a daily basis. And yeah, if you want to know how, like, I love using um, Purium in the morning, especially the Can't Beat This slash Power Shake mixed with some other products I have along with the tribe vitamins on an empty stomach. Holy moly. 
that's a daily ritual that I would say get involved with now. And um, wow. So that's ishopperium.com slash breaking normal and then tribevitamins.com. Thank you guys and sponsors that I'm kind of, I just want to cut myself off now. This is where I want to edit myself. But because this is the Breaking Normal podcast, dare I leave it in? <laughs> One of the things that Ra um, had such an interesting opinion about and quite inspiring, and I think very important for all of us to consider when I asked him about like the polarization that was going on with the vaccines, um, that's another big topic of this podcast. It, although it wasn't hugely discussed, it did make an impact on me. However, at that time, I don't know if me or him knew about the requirement of vaccine passports in certain public places in New York City and Los Angeles, and now even here in Boulder, Colorado. It's all like it was a slow drip of what I would say communism actually um, at first, but now the drip is getting stronger. And um, I, I would be curious what Ra would have to say about that now that that news has come out since our interview. But what I'll say about it is pretty much written in a lot of my recent Instagram posts. And I've been, I've been kind of reserving that, but as crazy as that is because they could censor that and who knows there might be CDC ads that are connected to them that you definitely don't have to click on. But there is still an opportunity to speak up, to speak up, as one of my previous uh, podcasts, Drew McManus from Satsang would say. Um, so I'm still taking advantage of that platform, and I'm still using it. We'll see, how for how long, we'll see for how long. Um, but I'm speaking up there about this cultural crisis. And how my uh, grandparents survived the Holocaust by living under a graveyard and creating a potato garden until they could flee and do the opposite of what the authorities told them. And hence I'm here. So I think it's time for me to speak up as usual because it's embedded in my DNA and it's so important. So I trust y'all are doing the same in your own unique way. And I trust the Breaking Normal podcast is inspiring you to do that and continuing to do that. And I love you all so much. Um, Paul Reese, my next guest, he gives his phone number out on the podcast. So let me do that right now. I was so inspired by that. Uh, it's 404-538-3156. Um, please text me first if you want to reach out for whatever reason. And... Um, as long as it's rooted in the intention of love and whatever way that shows up, if I can support you by just listening to an idea you have or if um, you have other ways we can synergize, yeah, reach out, text me. Because my phone un uh, sometimes blocks unknown numbers if they're calling, or yeah, when they're calling. But if you shoot me a text, it should work. Look forward to hearing from you. And I'd love to also hear from you on the uh, reviews, if you will. Here we are still playing the game, even though, you know, I'm not outside the matrix. And I don't think anyone listening to this is because this is part of the matrix. What I'm aiming to do is play the best game with the pieces I have and realizing I can get more pieces and I can play the game in whatever way I want. 
and it's not dictated to me by what other people are being paid to tell me. It's dictated by my heart, my whatever beats whatever beats my heart. And I trust that's why you're listening to this. So if you want to support it, leave the reviews, share it. This is some of these conversations are so huge, so game changing, including this one with Raw. So uh, much love to y'all. Let's do it. The time is now. Obviously, reach out. Yeah, man, uh, it's gonna be fun. Here we go. If you heard that, depending on when Casey, the epic Breaking Normal podcast editor, cuts in or not, that is raw of earth on the other end. Checking, checking in from some beautiful coastline. Are you in California? Where you? At? Laguna Beach, California. Yeah, we moved. We moved here. We were up in Mount Shasta in the mountains, and then we kind of wanted to be around people, so we came to paradise. Back to paradise. Awesome. Um, there was a slight breakup on the paradise, but that's good. You said it twice. Maybe paradise is not all that it seems all the time. Have you ever seen The Beach from uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? That movie? The Beach. Yeah. That was Thailand. a crazy movie. I love that Thailand, one. Thailand, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was like filmed maybe in Phuket or Fuck It. <laughs> yeah. However you say that. Have you been there by any chance? No, not yet. I read that book though also. Oh, I didn't know there was a book. That's great yeah. to know. How did you like the book compared to the movie? Most all books are better, including that one. I think the only movie that's better than the book, because it's pretty much they use the book as a transcript for the movie, was Fight Club. Fight Club, the movie, is better than Fight Club, the book, in my opinion. What about um, Into the Wild? Have you seen and read that one? Yes. And you like the book better than that I one? can't remember. Yeah. Well, slight rabbit trail. I have a feeling for us to stay focused, it's going to be, it's going to be a, an adventure. So I'm here with Raw of Earth. Also, what, do you go by any other names? I'm, I'm going to do a different Just type raw. of introduction. Raw, raw. Okay, cool. That's, um, I think people, most people I'm imagining may know about you from Instagram, Raw of Earth. Is that proper? Or is there right. some yeah. other media outlets that you're shining on as well? Raw underscore of underscore Earth. That's the main channel. That's the main expression. It's the main avatar currently. Well, that's a good point. That current avatar. Um, you know, I think the normal thing to do would be ask you for a bio or an intro and for me to uh, read it or out loud before you get on the show. And I could consider doing that still, but I'm just so curious who you think you are. Like, uh, you don't even have to answer in a normal way. Let's just say that you found yourself on a new planet and someone is like, me, known as me, is like, uh, who are you? Who are you? Dude, that's an interesting question. I, so Rob Earth, I'll just start there. I'm, I'm light manifested as an earthling. And that's what raw of Earth means. I didn't really come to that name uh, through that mechanism, though. I was, I was actually born Ronald. And then I went by Ronnie most of my life. And then I graduated a chapter where I, I own gyms and everyone knew me as Ronnie Teasdale. Huge muscle performance junkie fitness advocate. And when I closed that chapter, I went, I was like, Ronnie doesn't really seem well anymore. So I went back to Ronald. That didn't seem good. Didn't resonate. So I got a spiritual name named Ravi Chander. Ravi means essence of the sun. Chander means moon. So I started introducing myself as Ravi. And uh, that didn't really feel, didn't resonate either. So raw 
was a part of all my names, Ronald, Ronnie, Ravi. So I just chopped off the the second syllable of all my names, and and here I am as Ra. I'm a, I'm a champion of the human being and the human species. I've I have degrees in psychology and exercise science, which pretty much doesn't mean anything, but it but it just means that I had an intention at a very young age to find out about the mysteries of life and what makes our physical bodies work, what makes our, our mental and emotional and spiritual bodies work. School didn't really teach me much. So I became a, a reader and a, and a seeker of knowledge. And here I am now, about 20 years after I started, you know, going to, to college. Um, and I've, I've attained a lot of wisdom, a lot of usable wisdom that I've experimented with a lot of stuff that I even found shocking myself. And so I am someone that can and does talk about these things. And that's essentially what I do currently on this planet. Wow. Wow. Uh, Quantos años tienes? 38. 38. So you were, I, I can relate. I stopped sharing my age for years as well. It was a little taboo for me to ask someone because I not I not <laughs> I don't only I don't always answer, but I totally appreciate your answer there. Um so does that mean you started the gym or getting the uh training to understand the body at age 18? Is that my understanding when you said 20 years later? So I started going to college actually at 17. At 17. I quit buying textbooks once I found out that there's nothing valuable in at least the ones that I was getting. And I was downloading content from the internet, was basically pirating back then. I was pirating courses of, of all sorts of, of interesting, deep, deep level concepts of, of our mind. And I eventually got into meditating. And my first experience of meditating was this technique where you, you, you use colors to change the frequency of your body so that you match the frequency of the earth. And then you can pretty much travel into the earth and then pop up in other people's dreams and have a manipulating aspect or, or a, basically you could, you could, it's, it's kind of like gray magic. Now that I understand it, it's, it's, it's a little gray. I wouldn't say it's black cause I didn't have any ill intentions, but I would say it's gray. And that was my introduction to meditation. And what I found was that it worked. And at 19 years old in Michigan, doing this stuff, it was a big like, wow. And then 9-11 and, and then basically like I got, you know, revealed all the, we'll call it conspiracies or truths of this world and, and, and extraterrestrial technology. And, and all of that stuff was like, 20 years ago, it was like 15, 20 years ago, I was into that. Um, I don't really talk about any of the things that could be wrong in the world now, because it doesn't matter. All that matters is what we can integrate from the information, even if the information is quote, what we would consider negative. So yeah, the gym thing started happening. I moved to California when I was 23 after college, after I graduated school in Michigan. And then I started the gyms up at 23 and I had that for 10 years, that career. I had several gyms in downtown LA, learned a lot more about the body, learned that exercise actually isn't the end all be all of, of fitness and health. I thought it was, I also thought diet was, and I quit 
working out at some portion of that gym career because I have so many injuries from a lifetime of hockey, but I kept on competing in CrossFit competitions. And I was blown away that I was able to not exercise for a year and then enter a CrossFit competition and win against guys that work out from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep. And so I really had to to find out and restructure my paradigm about strength and power and how we attain that. Because I thought it was getting under a steel barbell and, and doing reps is what makes you strong. And what I discovered is that there's other things that give you power, like light and the manipulation of air coming into your body and what kind of water you're, you're feeling, feeling yourself with and, and how connected to the earth you are. And you can increase your power output on a physical competitive scale uh, with these elements. And I was blown away and so much so that the gym became boring to me. And so I, I closed them, them up eventually when I wasn't passionate about teaching people to move primitively, like, Ooh, I'm going to lift this up 10 times. Like every single day of my life, I'm going to come here and I'm going to just do the same movements over and over and over and over and over again. When there's just, there's so many other rabbit holes to explore of, of human potential and how we get power. Yeah. Well, you just opened up a lot of rabbit holes there. Um, I, I just so you know, I'm taking notes. I'm not like, on my phone. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know you can't see below me. Um, but yeah, these are, I, I enjoyed doing this like an investigative journalist. So how much did you weigh when you were like weightlifting for size and such at the gym? So I was going into competitions at about 185, 185 and 190. And I weigh now about 168. So that's 20 pounds more than 20 pounds more of muscle and bulk than I have right now. Yeah, I can totally relate. I, um, when I was in high school and slash starting, I thought I was going to play college baseball. That's what I was going to do. I threw 86 one year, 90. And I thought if I kept gaining weight and I would throw the nineties and then it would just be easy breezy. But I got I got basically injured and I got so inflamed. I was doing the creatine, KFC, wherever I could get protein. It was uh, so I can relate with the shifting of that monotonous movement, even in the form of pitching. I'm, I'm much more fascinated holistically about my um, human, this human spacesuit that I'm wearing and that I'm in and I love. And uh, I just find it so fascinating how our journeys parallel each other. And then what about like were you doing competitions? for like the way you looked or the way or body like, or a weightlifting kind of thing? Mostly performance, performance okay. based. Okay. So, uh, CrossFit's a sport where, and I was also competing in other aspects as well and, and winning professionally competing. So like I've won competitions where I walk away with, uh, tens of thousands of dollars. So, uh, but, but the, my main aspect was CrossFit and CrossFit's a sport where you show up to a competition and you don't know what is being tested. You might be tested for strength. You might be tested for, can you swim and, you know, swim a mile deadlift 400 pounds for 10 reps, and then uh, row on a rower a thousand meters for time. Like who can do that the fastest. And so basically you have to be good at everything, handstand walking, like backflips, balance, agility, speed, like everything that you can think of jump roping, you know, three times under your feet, every time you jump, uh, 
and you just have to be good at everything. And so my versatility was very good. I was able to adapt and most people spent all of their time practicing these movements. And I did in the beginning as well, but it got to the point where my injuries from hockey, I have three, I have so many injuries to list. It would take me a couple minutes, but I have tons of injuries. And so I, it, it hurts to work out. I don't like working out because I just get more injured and my body gets pulled out of position more. And so I quit doing that. And I would just hang out at the beach all day in Santa Monica, literally just sitting on the green in the sun. And then I would coach at my gym and I would just casually sign up for competitions to have fun and, and do it with my members. And I would, I would win them or do very, very, very well. And I was top few hundred in the world for this entire time. I'm not talking about just casual competitions. Like I was, I was well known in the sport and, um, it was, it was weird to me. It was super weird that I was able to do well without training the way that I thought would be necessary. And when you say CrossFit, are you talking about like the same thing, like CrossFit gyms, like the competition yeah. that CrossFit pits on? Okay, cool. Did you ever meet the old owner, Greg Glassman? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, the guy here in Boulder, I guess they acquired all of CrossFit from him. Oh, so the new owner lives there? Yeah. Yeah. Ownership just, just switched. Yeah. There's, there's tens of thousands of CrossFit gyms all over the world. I had one of the first, I think I was in the first... 1,000 or 2,000, I forget, in the world. Uh, I opened up in 2009. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> and then hockey. I'm thinking about you playing hockey and how the path of life that you're on now compared to maybe um, more normal folk. Uh, do, you, do you think hockey like served as an initiation for you of how to deal like with combat, competition, not, and not only injuries? And do you think that's like, I'm just curious if you think the vast majority of men are missing something like that. You know, this is a kind of a common meme that young men are missing their initiation. Was hockey that for you? And what do you think about that? I would assume so. My main priority in life growing up was hockey. And what hockey was to me was a war. All that mattered to me was hurting the other team and hurting them badly. That was my role on every team that I was on was to injure as many people as possible on the other team so that they were incapacitated to, to, to defend and beat my team so that every time they go into a corner, they're thinking the last time they went in the corner with me and got a little bit injured. And so they're a little bit afraid. And I feel like I've experienced a tremendous amount of violence through the sport of hockey. I was the guy that got into fights every single weekend. Uh, I was the guy that after the game, the, the physical therapist would come over and tell me, Hey, you, uh, tore this guy's labrum. This person it went to the hospital cause he, cause he sprained his ankle when you went into the corner with him. And I would be like loving that. Like that was my role was to hurt the other team. And that came from me being picked on in school. So, so bullies really cause kind of like, like a opposite polarity in the kids that, that get picked on that I was the kid that got picked on. And then I found through hockey, I could express all that repressed emotion of kind of feeling worthless, getting picked on while I could now hurt people. And I feel like 
uh, because I went so far in that direction and experienced so much violence. And, and then even after hockey, I was just competing. And my entire focus on competing was being better than other people. It's like, I need to be better than other people. And it, and it, and it got to the point where I got to the end and it was like, there's no need for any of this. And I was able to swing back and, and have more balance where I don't even really believe in sports. So to answer your question, it's, it's weird because I know that I'm at the place that I'm at right now, a very balanced person, uh, because I went through this very off balance aspect of my life. So I don't know if we take that away, if people aren't going to be able to express that, even if it was non-healthily, but I'm not now expressing that in my relationships, right? I'm not all that violence is gone from me. Nobody really has to deal with that. And maybe if I wouldn't have experienced and got rid of that all, everyone around me right now would have to deal with all the pain and suffering still inside me. So it's a difficult question, especially coming from a psychological standpoint. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Right now, one of the books I'm listening to, so that's an epic library stack behind you. And I know before you didn't have that view, the ocean view was more epic, but the audio <laughs> wasn't as good. Um, <clears throat> One of the books I'm listening to right now is from Tim Grover, and it's called Winning. Have you listened or read that one? I read Unstoppable or Unshakable. Relentless, maybe. Yeah, I read that one. Yep, yep. And it's an interesting book because it's it's scratching the surface as well as what you, why you were saying it's a tough question. Um, because this guy, Tim Grover, he was like the trainer for Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And right. his books are not loved by uh, people that believe in balance because he doesn't believe that they um, winning means being balanced. And that's a bullet you have to bite. And right. Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and the best of the best, um, they are off in the sense that they, they don't, they're not balanced. They're not balanced. And he, he's kind of perpetuating, like, if you really want to win at the top level, don't look for balance. And I'm just kind of curious what that brings up for you. Like, because you said you feel so much more balanced now and you got to wonder about guys, I, you know, it, it must be amazing to be uh, Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. And it's also amazing to be me. And it's also amazing to be you. And it's, it just makes you wonder. It makes me wonder. Right. Like, is that off balance kilt like that cr the craziest of off balance, but in a competitive, like channeled way, like basketball or hockey, is that an awesome path or is a more awesome path to be balanced in all ways? Well, you know, when you're Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, I think the uh, compromise that being off balance, basically giving your entire life to a sport, the compromise is worth it, right? And I think that all of us that are in athletics get to the point where we have to decide, is practicing several hours a day followed by four hours in the gym, followed by searching for the best food, followed by not going to bars, not having friends, having relationships that have to take a back seat. Like, is all of this worth it to, to like, is the payoff worth it? Right. And, and that's basically meaning professional or not. When you're going pro, it, it is worth it for most people. Cause, cause the, the trade for that is to go work at FedEx you know, like professional athletes that spent their entire life doing one thing 
don't really have much other options. Uh, in it's it's not apparent to them. We all have every option in the world, but when you're thinking like, well, what do I do if I quit playing hockey? Like for me, there was no there was no answer. There was no easy answer. It was like, well, I moved to California and maybe start a gym if I can make that happen. And and I had to trust myself to do that. I had to take a giant leap. And so I think that the I think that money money does matter when you have it, right? Like anyone can say money doesn't matter unless, you know, it does matter if you do have it. And same thing with winning. It's easy to say winning isn't everything, but it is everything for the winner. Like the, the people that win, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe, winning is everything. And it literally costs them everything to win. And also what comes along with winning is money. And so if you're not winning and if you're not going for first in the world, it's really hard to, to sacrifice everything for a hobby. But these guys are sacrificing everything for the glory. And I think that that's an addiction that we can't really answer is, is it healthy or not? It's just, it's just everyone's own journey. Awesome. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect many answers here, but maybe more ponderings and questions yeah, and back I to my that. questions. I, I love that because, because answers kind of kill the question, right? Like if you pair an answer with the question, it kind of just like defeats the purpose of either of them. Just like roadblocks, both of them. Wow. That makes me think of like, um, basically having sex for pleasure or, uh, or not having, like having not having sex, not to, ha- not to finish. It's like, uh-huh. uh, and that's what that just brought up for me. I don't know what that brings up for you. I do want to talk about magic. Um, you mentioned looking black and gray and maybe there you can, maybe you can even explain what sex magic is. I don't know if you know anything about that, but what's your, uh, what's your understanding of magic, black magic versus gray magic versus what type of magic, white magic? Yes. White, gray, black, red, sex magic. So I would define magic. I think Aleister Crowley defined it, which I think is a good definition. I don't remember it exactly, but it has something to do with if you're able to uh, form reality to your desire, then that's, that's magic. If you're able to form and shape reality to your desires, then you are performing magic. And so white magic would be like for the good of all and uh black magic would be to manipulate somebody for ill intent right so we're talking about like let's say you're a business owner and you're you're performing psychic attacks on your competitor or you're a military of a country and you're performing psychic attacks or or remote viewing where you you're and i know people that have worked for militaries as remote viewers where they basically their role is to 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 channel the the environment of certain target locations on earth and then describe them to the military so they know how to attack. Uh, so that these are these are black magic, right? Where you're you're you have ill intent of you're utilizing it for a scenario where you're being competitive. And then red magic is is sex magic. Gray would be in between white in black where you kind of, it's, it's, it's slippery now. So, so sex magic is awesome because we all, all of us are a result of it, right? There was 
a man and a woman and they mated and then through the magic of sex produced you. And there's a lot of power in that. All right. So if you would imagine every, every one of us has the ability to at least halfway, right. If with a partner produce a human being, a human life, an entire universe, an entire reality. We have the ability within our bodies to produce that. We can transform that energy into reality, right? We can, we can use this to mold the electromagnetic universe that we currently exist in. And there's many dimensions of this reality. We can travel through them. And I, I prefer, so there's being celibate, there's, there's, you know, where you're just holding everything in there's, there's having orgasms where you're channeling the energy up and there's Egyptian sex magic. So the, the first two is, is more like Eastern practices. Egyptian sex magic has to do with the onk where through orgasm, you're actually cycling the energy up and around your head. So if you imagine the shape of an onk is, is like a cross, but there's a circle on the top, right? It connects the two, the horizontal piece, that the ends of the horizontal piece just circles above the, the top of, of the cross. And that the cross is right at the heart. And so if you imagine forming a through orgasm, do you want to, do you want to get into this? Because I think I need to back up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, can, if you, yeah, I'm open to that. I'm definitely. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can back up a bit too. And I can okay. ask questions along the way, but so far I'm, I think we're all intrigued. All right. So we, we are all transmissions of light. All right. So when we understand that, that everything on this entire earth and dimension is, is a, is a, is a map or a manifestation of light, then we can start to look at ourselves as less physical, but more malleable. And we can, we can trade information from each other. And that information can produce magic as we're talking about, like light is what's making everything up. And so with our own light, we can make stuff up. We can manipulate reality. We can produce magic and through sex, which is, is, uh, an activity where we actually produce a baby, there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of transmission of energy happening through sex. So if you guys think about like a penis vagina and there's hair around them both, imagine that hair as, as wires and imagine electrical wires touching each other that like hair and skin, this is actually part of our nervous system. And so our erogenous zones are when we mate it's passing information back and forth. We're also passing fluid back and forth, but there's a lot of light passing back and forth. And you guys know when you're having sex, like first time, it's all down there. That's where all the feeling is, right? But then when you start to care about the person, you're concerned whether they die or not, then you're starting to care about their security. You start to like care about their safety and that, that light starts to arc up. It starts to, to flow into your partner more than just root level to root level. You're, it's flowing up into their, to like your navel centers and the chakras are all colors because it's a different version of light. So as, as you are inserting light into this other person or receiving light, the light is coming up. And as you start to care about people a lot, it comes up into your heart centers, 
right? So if you guys start to fall in love with somebody when you're having sex, you're actually like, what makes up your heart is going into their heart. And that's, that's when you actually, and this is actually gets more important when, when how to connect with other people and trees and the planet and the sun, you use this energy of, of love to do that because you become in resonance when your hearts are connected. But there's a point where sometimes people explain that when I had an orgasm, I like blasted off into the universe. That's because the two sexual partners are using this energy and it's cycling it up from their root all the way into their pineal and crown chakra. Now that's just during the act of sex that can happen. When you have orgasm in males, uh, what happens is a lot of this light, this force, this power goes out. It goes, it goes down and out, right? It goes out our penis and into the female. If you're a female or another person, male or, or any sex of person receiving this, you want to make sure that you're open to it. Now, what we can do as both partners in this scenario is instead of, of letting the, the, the energy come out of the male and, and down and depleted from them, we want to cycle it. And we cycle it by basically that orgasm coming out of our back, like out of the back of our heart, and then looping up around both partners' heads and then back in through the back of the heart of the other person. And sometimes you can go shoot out the heart and then loop around. So basically we're just taking that light energy and instead of just like, like exploding it out the bottom, we want to be coming essentially through the heart center to heart and connecting and looping above the head. And that's what, uh, that's what Jesus and, and Mary Magdalene were doing. Um, so what I just described was uh, uh, Egyptian sex magic. And then there's sex magic of Isis, which is explained in the book the Magdalene manuscript, which is a little bit different. You channel the energy from root up into both pineal glands. Uh, and that was charging in the story of Jesus, his Ka body. And then crucifixion was just a death initiation. He, he was expecting that because he was charging his etheric, etheric body, which he was planning on existing as after he shed his physical body. But main point that I want to make is don't waste this energy. Don't like make sure that you're with your consciousness, with your intention, looping it, even if you're doing it alone, looping it above your head and then back into your heart so that there, so that the vibration of the light, the, the force isn't lost. Wow. Coming from the heart with raw of earth. That could be the episode yep. title. <laughs> Um, all right. I, before I get distracted, how can you, if someone's curious how to do this, how would they, how do you suggest them starting to do this? If they have no idea what you're talking about? Well, like I said, right when, so if you're a male, so females, so both partners, male, female, male, male, like it's, it's, it's the, the, the sex is the, I don't want to say they don't matter, but I just want to be inclusive to everyone because they do matter because males are penetrating and, and, and giving and, and females are receiving. And so the, the sexual characteristics are different based on whether your body is male or your, or your body is female. But the male in the, in the circumstance. So with all that said, I know that there's 
variability of identity and variability of even bodies being both male and female. I'm aware of that, but I'm just going to speak from a heteronormative standpoint to, for simplicity reasons. Male. Thank you. Male is going to ejaculate or orgasm. And, and if they're ex, like normal, I, mean, I need to stay to normal. So if they orgasm, they're ejaculating, right? Let's just say in, a, in an Egyptian sex magic, which I feel is the easiest one to do all you're doing is all of your intention through that orgasm your your i need to i need to put myself in this scenario so the upon orgasm the male is taking a deep breath and and then orgasms happening okay as the orgasms happening you're channeling the orgasm out the the back of your heart up over your head and then into the female's heart center back or front whatever way she's facing and and then and then it comes back into your heart in which case you exhale so that that exhale when you hold your breath and then orgasm you don't really get the bang until you exhale like the like the the sparks right so the holding the breath actually allows you to channel the energy up. And then right when you feel it go back into your heart, <sighs> the exhale goes into your body. So it's just a way to recycle that energy and make sure that it doesn't go out because you're not producing a baby anyways. Okay. So just to be explicit here, you're saying when you're coming from the heart and penis, you take a deep breath when you first start coming until you feel the energy come back into your through your partners back into your heart and then take a deep exhale. Just to yes. Be interesting. And a lot. So you're holding your breath, deep inhale before you, you, you blast off. And that's actually going to feel weird to most people. It's going to be like a pause, but during that pause, you're channeling the, the energy up from your, your loins into your heart, out your heart, arcing around. And you should be like actually feeling orgasm by now, but it's kind of like, tensions building up. And then the giant exhale is when you loop it around back into yourself and then you exhale and it, and it goes all over your own body. And most of this magic stuff is all imagination. And that's the whole point is that like, we're the creators and our intention and imagination is what creates. And so you might be thinking like, well, there's, this is impossible to just imagine it. Well, everything's imagined in this entire planet. Like everything's imagined. The house you're living in was imagined. Yep. Yep. I'm just letting that soak in again. Whenever I am reminded of that, um, you mentioned the pubic hair and being like electrical. I mean, so what I'm imagining, and especially because of the, all the hair on your head, that you must have some beliefs around hair. Like, when's the last time you cut the hair on your head? And what do you think about people um, shaving their pubic region or not? So, we want to restructure what we think about skin and hair. Skin and hair is not just like inanimate cellular tissue, it's actually our nervous system. When the sperm, speaking of sex, enters the egg, what happens is the zygote is formed and this is going to become you, but you're one cell at this stage. And then eventually that cell separates into two cells and four cells. And, and then eventually you're just like a clump of cells. 
And somehow you have to turn from that clump of cells to a human being. And the way that that happens is the cells separate into three different types of cells. You guys might remember this. For me, it was, it was ninth grade biology class. It's the ectoderm, the endoderm, and the mesoderm. So all of these types of cells separate into three different types of cells, which then become your entire body. The mesoderm becomes all of your bones and muscle. The endoderm becomes your organs. So I'm just going to take these books right here. Hopefully this is going to work. So mesoderm is your, your muscles and bones. Endoderm is your organs. And then we have, hopefully this is going to work. Then we have the uh, ectoderm, which is your brain. So we got three layers, the ectoderms on top. Well, these three layers need to turn into a human body. It needs to turn into a sphere. So what ends up happening is the mesoderm starts to close into a sphere and it starts to pinch the endoderm starts to, the endoderm goes inside the mesoderm. Our, our organs are inside the mesoderm, but then it pinches the ectoderm. And so now what we have, if you guys are watching on wherever this is produced visually, I'm, I'm struggling with making this, this model work, but the, the, in the middle is the brain and the nervous system. That's the ectoderm. But what also gets pinched off is the brain and the org and the brain and the nerves. And what happens is that the stuff that gets pinched off wraps around the mesoderm as the skin and the hair. Does that make sense? You can see that. So the skin and the hair are actually made up of the same base level cells as the brain. Okay. Now with the brain transmits information, how electrically, right? The brain's electric, the heart's magnetic. So that's why imagination and, and linking up with the heart has an ability to transmit the electromagnetic field, because that's what we are. We're electricity in the brain, magnetism in the heart. So all of our skin and our hair are part of our electrical neural network. And so why does that matter? Because we're taking in light through the skin and the hair. That's what I'm saying. We're beings of light. We receive the light through our food, which has light in it. And we also receive the light from being in light and the skin receiving it because it's a giant solar cell. And the darker the melanin is in our eyes, our hair, and our skin, the more light required. It's required. Melanin is also throughout our entire nervous system. You guys can read books on melanin. You'll see that it's not just in our skin, our eyes, and our hair. It's throughout our nervous system. Why? Because our skin and our hair and our eyes are taking in light, transmitting it through melanin, through the nervous system, into the brain. And, and it's going to hypothalamus, pituitary, pineal gland. Then the pineal gland produces melanin that then goes and recalibrates the light spectrum in all of our cells when we sleep. And that's what dreams are, right? It's, it's the, the light of the day is recalibrating the body and you're experiencing the energies as a dream because the pineal gland is also giving you visual and you have a vision of this as well. So hair is also transmitting light away from you. It's not just receiving, but the body hair around you is also shaping and influencing the electromagnetic frequency around you. It's shaping your aura. And so when you shave hair off your body, you not only 
disrupt the intake of light, but you're also disrupting the distribution externally of light as well, just casually around you, around your aura, and then even through sex. Does that answer your question? Wow. I'm wondering how you're doing after all these answers. I'm like, do we need to take a break? I might need to take a break myself. The, uh, I mean, this is awesome. I, especially like the awesome bio, like you'd be a great biology teacher. Come on. Good job. Well, good on you. That's I, my I major could... and my BS was in biology. Oh yeah. Head. Yeah. So I, yeah. I couldn't handle the, the studying of the physiology and the anatomy like like looking at a book and no and and studying was driving me nuts yeah i can relate to that one um so i'm curious your hair like do you not shave at all like your your mm. wow your hair grows so interesting like my hair obviously i've sh i shave too I, I have like a cheek full of it I, it's an interesting thing for me because when i was in high school my first girlfriend the first girl i ever had sex with um i wasn't in high school i was in college i just graduated college actually but when I left college, I let my beard go crazy. I just let everything go crazy. And I became a raw vegan and the raw bras and all these things. <laughs> but right when I got back, she immediately broke up with me. And I had like hair going up into my eyeballs. It's like my hair grows pretty high on my cheeks, like Neanderthal. -esque. Right. And, and uh, you know, that's, like that hard, that's a hard pill to swallow <laughs> because of the trauma that I have around that. And I'm wondering like if other people feel that way. I mean, I, I bet a lot of people feel that way, especially knowing what I know about people confessing about their bodies. That are, a lot of people are self-conscious about their hair and the way it grows mm -hmm. out, like maybe on their back or like for me, it was like the cheeks. Right. Anything to well, say to that? I was best friends with the photographer and what he told me um, was that everyone's self-conscious about the things that make them unique. And the things that make them unique from a photographer's standpoint are the things that make them beautiful. And it makes, and that's the things that the people that are going to like you and are going to be attracted to you will like the most. And that's you. And so the greatest expression of yourself is going to be exactly how you're designed. Even though most of us are mutts, like made up of different heritages, the the authenticity of actually how you look is going to be perfectly like if you get into a relationship or a business partnership or a friendship with somebody that's attracted to you, vibes with you the way that you authentically are, then most likely they're also going to vibe with you with the way that you think and the way that you smell and the way that you act. And so I feel that being authentic in the terms of the way that we look, body shape, the way that our skin is, the way that our hair grows, the way that our hair grows out, any type of manipulation that we do with perfumes for the way that we smell, with cutting the hair is going to lead us to falsely attract people into our life that might not actually like the version of you that you're putting forward because the version of you that you're putting forward it isn't actually you that's um yeah that's super inspiring you know i imagine still people are gonna be like oh, i just can't imagine my wife full bush <laughs> or vice versa like vice versa like it's just so indoctrinated into it's almost like you know the liver you know we talked about the liver briefly earlier people's palates just they don't like the taste of liver. And that's one of the reasons why tribe vitamins is so genius in my opinion. And, and liver tablets in general are so genius. Um, 
I like that you made a business off of a need in the marketplace, right? That's, that's amazing. And anyone can do that. You see that livers is healthy for people. Liver tablets used to be my favorite workout supplement. And I also used to eat tons of liver when I was competing, tons of it. It was like my main thing. And, uh, and I didn't, I didn't have a problem with the taste, but you're like most people do. So I'm going to make it easy for them, which is great. I know we're both involved with Purium. I love to talk about the apothecary as being like, my dad's been a pharmacist for over 40 years and he loves it as an anti-inflammatory. He thinks it's like one of the best ones on the shelves and the melatonin. That's epic. Um, I like talking about the biomedic and this idea of removing glyphosate from people's lower gut within a month or a majority of it. And personally, I love the can't beat this as a pre-workout uh, drink. What you guys say about Purium? I mean, it's the best products I've ever come across. I used to give, I used to give diet seminars all over the world. All, well, that's technically true, but not all over the world, but in all over California and some other countries. And Perium is just make it simple. We got products that are proven and guaranteed to nutrify the body, detoxify the body and repair the body. And no matter what your diet is, that's essentially what we need from our diet. Get nutrition into the cells so that it can process the way that it needs to process, get the garbage out of the body, and then also have raw building materials available to rebuild the body. And we just make it very, very simple to do just that. And it's almost so simple, but so profound that it's just best to experience it rather than to try and understand it with your brain. And it's guaranteed money back to do so. So you have, you have no risk of experiencing it because it's either going to work and blow your mind or you can return the products, which very, very little people do. Rasta, thank you for that. Um, you know, you, you, this episode is reminding me of a lot of previous ones. One particular, uh, JJ Yosh, I don't know if you know, he said he's known you for a while, but he wanted me to say hi to you and he knows okay. you and Sam. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was, cause you're in Colorado where he yeah, is. I am. Right? Yeah. I'm actually going to his place right after this. Oh, nice. Well, tell him I said hi and we need to connect. And I will do. And then, uh, Dr. Jack Wilson's episode, I think he he basically and he's he has a book called the paleo cardiologist and his two things he wanted to leave the audience with which is reminding me of a lot of what we talked about was that your skin is a solar panel and the longer you spend outside the longer you'll live those are the two things that he wanted to leave the audience with you have anything to expound upon that do you agree with that i definitely agree with that and if you think about the people that do live the longest, they're not in cities where we're underneath like shelter. They're, they're like in the mountains. They're, they're living in villages and there's, they have to farm their food and they're outside. And so light, light is the thing that, that we all need to enhance our relationship with and first enhance our relationship by understanding what it is. And I don't think we can completely define it. So it's not like, like we were talking about earlier, we don't need to find the answer of what light is, but 
we do want to expand it beyond the fact that the sun is a burning ball of gas out in the, in the universe or in the galaxy, because it's a very Western destructive way of explaining what light is, right? That it's just, it's just keeping us warm. There's a lot more to it than that. What do you think about sun gazing? Maybe in those morning time or evening time, is that something part of your practice? I, I, um, I have a friend that's an ophthalmologist, one of my old roommates in college, and he's like, you know, he's uh, warning me against it. And he's Indian, like his parents are from India. And I was, I'm thinking like, man, your parents probably know more about this than I do, but I disagree with you. Um, right. What do you think? And he's highly melanated. He actually needs the light. There's a book called Light, Medicine of the Future. And that is written by an ophthalmologist. And... So I mentioned melanin earlier being the component of our skin and our hair and light or melanin is also what makes our irises colored. And there's different types of melanin, but especially if you have the darker melanin, your body has a need for light. That's what our physiology is designed for. Speaking from an evolutionary standpoint, which I'm not necessarily saying is the the way that we got here but evolutionarily speaking like the darker the melanin the more light hits that part of earth that's where your origins are and so your your body's calibrated to that amount of light and sun gazing if you think about if we weren't in building so here's the thing with sun gazing everyone loves to say how dangerous it is but just go outside every single day at sun up and sundown, you will automatically sun gaze because the sun is at the horizon level. So if you're standing in a group of people and you're talking, two out of four of you are going to be sun gazing because you're going to be looking in the direction of the sun being right at the level of your eyes. So this is a natural thing that we'd be doing twice a day if we weren't inside buildings. Right. So we don't need to think about sun gazing as, as, as we do think about it as a practice because we do live in buildings. We do have to go outside. But essentially, what I'm saying is that it's natural. And the reason why we supplement our lifestyle with it now is because we're living unnatural lives. And so going outside and just simply looking straight ahead, as human beings do, and the light coming into our eyes, that's natural and that's necessary for our body to operate efficiently. I'm having a flashback of a video slash like experience I had in Costa Rica with this guy. I think his name is like Brian Calvi and him and his partner Jody owned, I don't know if they still do, but like a farm between Dominical and San Isidro called a Finca de Vida. And we had this video of him talking about sun gazing and he's like, you know, it's sunset and he's really looking at it. He's not, he's not flinching. He won't move his eyes from the sun, but as he's doing it, he's talking about how important it is to be barefoot slash grounded while doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree with that, um, but based on everything I know about you so far, it seems like it. And it reminds me also, I've been, I just listened to a podcast with Tim Ferriss and uh, Dr. Huberman. And they just kind of like strongly suggest and you know, it's it maybe sounds crazy for people, but Dr. Human was talking about one of the best ways to reset your circadian rhythm is right when you wake up, um, get sun in your eyes, get the sun in your eyes, because it's the one place that your brain is exposed on the outside. And how that's what I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, I'm, I'm, it is what, what you're saying is what I'm talking about too. So thank you. 
Yeah. The, yeah, the eyes are basically inside the brain. You look at like the way the skull is in the brain. And so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the eyes are part of the nervous system. It's part of the brain. So is the skin and the hair eyes are just a direct route into the brain. Our eyes, there's two cords coming off the back of our eyes. One goes to our occipital lobe in the back of our brain, and that's processing vision. The other cord goes to hypothalamus, pituitary, pineal, and that's processing the other stuff, the, the benefits of the light. And that's the melanins carrying that light through that cord into our body, the hypothalamus, pituitary, that's all. And, and pineal, these are all hormones, right? So when you wake up, that's what actually makes you wake up. If everyone doesn't know that you wake up with light because your body starts turning melatonin into norepinephrine. And that, that transfer happens because of light. If you guys notice, if you guys have blackout curtains, it's really easy, easy to sleep in till noon with blackout curtains. But I now sleep with wide open floor to ceiling windows with no curtains on them because there's no light. There's no artificial light out there. It's just an ocean. And I wake up like before 6 a.m. with the sun every single day because that's how our body's made. And if you want to accelerate how, how alive you get, if you're not living in a floor to ceiling window place that you get the light coming in, windows break light, it's a sidebar, but uh, light's still coming in. But if you're not living that, then yeah, going outside and, and sun gazing is going to turn on all the processes of your body that make you not just awake, but alive. Rasta on that one as well. Um, we talked about dreams briefly, and then you talked about celibacy, and I thought about wet dreams. What do you <laughs> think about that? Like with celibacy, and how is that? What is a wet dream? And and I would be, I mean, I heard a, a brief definition of what you think a dream is, but I am curious of how dreaming fits into your world. That's a multi-dimensional topic, and and let's talk about if if you're celibate, if you're holding. A, a wet dream can literally just, just end the whole thing, right? So you're spending four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and then you just wake up and you're like, what the heck? And you think that you don't have control of it, but you do have control of it. The, the thing is, is that if there's too much energy down there, your body's going to have to expose of it. And so the way that it does that is or the way that you can do that is to make sure that you're upcycling that energy. And you can do that again with imagination, inhaling the, the energy up the spine and you just inhale. And as you do that, take the energy from down there and let it come up your spine. And, and you, and, and for guys, if you start getting horny, if you're celebrate, if you're, if you're saving your seed, uh, do this, just inhale the energy up, and then exhale and then every inhale, just move the energy up and you'll feel that like sexual urge go away. If you're not doing that, you're inevitably go going to, to have a wet dream. Your body's going to produce, it's going to take the energy and transmit it into sexual images and sexual feelings in your body. And you're going to go in your sleep. 
Also, there's lots of other practices like Qigong and, and yoga practices is all about moving the energy up the spine. Kundalini yoga is all about moving the energy up, up the spine into your higher center. So you want to make sure that you're doing practices like that if you're celibate. Otherwise, it's just, it's just, it's more unhealthy potentially. Dreams is a deep, deep, deep topic. And I think the simplest way, I'm not saying it's the only way, but the simplest gnosis I have is that, where can I go with this answer? An interesting answer that I can give is that we're actually accessing uh, non-physical existence, right? So right now we're existing physically and, and we're talking through our physical senses. When we go to sleep, uh, we're no longer physical. And, and there's nothing that says that our brain, let me, let me back up. If we have a radio, like I have a speaker right here, that if we have a radio, we wouldn't make the mistake of thinking that the voices coming out of the radio are people, tiny people that are inside the radio, right? They're, it's, it's basically receiving information. The same could be said for us. Like our, our universal mind is expressing itself. It's beaming intelligence through light, through cosmic forces into us. And then we're expressing that through this physical existence. When we turn off the physical existence and we're in the dream state, we, that's a portal into this non-physical universal state. And what one aspect of what dreams are could be said is that dreams are the energies that we're experiencing out there translated into what our physical body can comprehend. Much like when the alarm goes off and then in the dream, you just trans, for me, the alarm turns into a hockey buzzer. Like it just like whatever I'm dreaming about, all of a sudden I'm on a hockey rink and there's a buzzer going on because my dream just automatically translates this sound into something that makes sense in to my physical body. And that sound is a hockey period. Like at the end of the period, the buzzer goes off. So when we're experiencing these other cosmic forces, our body's making sense of it. If you saw a spider before you went to sleep, then when there's a giant, you know, surge of energy that you're experiencing in other dimensions, you're going to translate that into a, you know, running from a spider. There's many ways to answer that question, but I like that one the most that we're, we're experiencing extra dimensional energies and we're translating them into things that make sense through dreams. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating topic. Do you do any uh, things with your dreams or in workouts or playouts uh, or exercises or intentions? I like, I like that question. Uh, there's a lot of awareness that we can, we can wake up in our dreams, but I have not went down that route in any manner that I can talk about. And do you, um, see, do you have any judgment on if it, our waking state is more real than our dreaming state? Okay. So then that gets, that gets interesting. Right. And I, I, I would say that our waking state is less real than than our dreaming state. 
Awesome. And then I'm on this uh, waking state of like, you, you know, we're talking about how the, you were talking about how the government uses these um, remote observers. What do you think is going on right now with the, uh, you know, the coconut shell <laughs> with this whole thing? We are in crazy times. Holy moly. Yeah. I mean, we've all been, we've all been waiting for the shift. And so shifts can't happen unless there's destruction and it seems like there's a background war going on and a lot of what's happening in the world is, is a, a means of distraction that has been done throughout all of history. It's funny. I go through Instagram and, and like, there's all this, I, like I, I personally get sucked into like UFC and I try not to click on those links, but I, I like that happens. And, uh, and I'm looking at this the other day and I'm like, this is the gladiators. Like these are modern day gladiators. And, and really what the gladiators were back in Roman times were a distraction so that the masses of people could have a show to watch and not really be concerned which what was going on behind the scenes. And so you could even say that the show of the presidency, the show of masks versus not va masks, vaccines versus not vaccines, people that are like, people that are saying like, don't get vaxxed versus vaxxed. And they're, they think the other side is completely wrong. If you're wrapped up in that show, you're not really able to see beyond the show. So we want to make sure that we're not getting wrapped into these topics and arguing with the other side too much because that's all by design. The elites are masterful. They're masterful. They like we all think that uh maybe it was a pandemic. Well the thing is it's win-win no matter what. If you're arguing whether it's pandemic or a real pandemic, you you've, you've fallen into the real trap which is separate the masses of people, have them argue with themselves. And they're actually the gladiator components themselves, and they're unable to see past it. And uh, what the truth is, is that we're all, we're all creating this. And we all are able to, to use magical principles, use intention, use visualization to create the world. And that's my main thing is for me, I want to live in everyone's dream world. And so I want to invite people to dream, invite people to be connected to themselves and, and what their gifts are and create realities where they're expressing themselves fully, not arguing about this or that, but like creation, because we're, we're all creators. And so I think that um, much like if there is a king in a room of a hundred people or a thousand people, the, the crown and the throne and the couple guards around him, that's all just an illusion because the king knows that the people are more powerful than the king, but the king needs all of their energy. So he's siphoning their energy by manipulating them to think that he's more powerful. And with that power of the people, he is more powerful. But we, the people, are where the power lies. And if we can all realize that, then the king is literally a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Wow. I don't think I got to all my notes I took, but um, 
That seems like a nice place to say to be continued. Do you have anything else to include? Uh, follow me on Instagram, raw underscore of underscore earth. That's where a lot of my teachings are and a lot of, a lot of other information there. And I think that's it. Daniel Sun. Um, intuitively, you know, if you had uh, three books to recommend for this crowd, I know it seems like you read a lot. I like that. Um, once again, that looks like a cool book stack. I kind of want to visit, visit it one day. So maybe I'll see you soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cosmic Consciousness. Most of it's on Audible now. That's all mostly pre-Audible. But uh, Cosmic Consciousness by Ken Wilber is an awesome book. There's another book called, which I don't have it. It's next to my it's in the other room. Um, what's it called? Just look up. Uh, it's the guy that wrote the book Secret Teachings of Plants. And, and that's an awesome book. But his newest book has something about uh, the imaginal realm into the dreaming of Earth. That's, it's part of the title. There's a beginning part of the title though. And that's an awesome book. So that's book number two. And then book number three would be conversations with God. And that's just a realignment of who we are and what life is supposed to be. It's absolutely not a religious book, even though it's called conversations with God, I would say it's more on the, the anti-religious side than religious, but it's, it's neither of that. So conversations with God, the book with uh, the plants and the earth, and then cosmic consciousness. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for the time, the presence, the power, the breaking normalness. Yes. Appreciate you for sure. Yeah, man. It was super fun and super dense. I like that. Kept it. You kept it flowing out of me. Do you have a question for me before I say goodbye? <laughs> Where do you want, you want me to answer, ask a random question? I'll ask, I don't have a specific question, but what, what comes to me is this, this, uh, where are you? And I'm asking you this cause you're, you're shirtless right now. Where are you at in the terms of, cause I don't know myself in the terms of presentability with an audience of people like the, you know, there's like, I love being like shirtless and casual, but how do you feel about like dressing up, wearing collared shirts? Do you feel that that adds value to how you show up? Does it add power to how you show up? And yeah, where are you at on like how you dress yourself? Oh, that's a good question. It's funny because I I was almost gonna tell you about. I thought you were gonna be shirtless because you said shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Boulder, Colorado, right now, and it's hot. And I have an AC unit, but it's loud. So what I did for the podcast is, but that's just like this is all kind of justification. Like I don't really care to wear a shirt too much. Yeah. Um, especially if it's going to make me less comfortable. So the, mm -hmm. wearing a shirt in this moment would have probably been uncomfortable, uh, not fun, comfortable. I mean, like, why the heck am I sweating? Oh, because I care what other people think. So that's where I'm at in this moment. I'm just like, yeah. I, I can't, I, I have to care what my body thinks more than my imagination and what other people might think about my body being exposed. Um, funny enough though, JJ Yosh's, uh, his 
potluck tonight is like a dress up party. Like you're supposed to come from the Hamptons, like <laughs> like dressed up with collars. Exactly. Like what you're saying. So I think I have one pink shirt in there and I'm happy to wear it. I'm a little concerned, like a pink collar shirt. I'm a little concerned. I'm going to be like hot. Um, yeah. Oh, and I definitely think it can work wonders. Um, like me dressing up. That was one thing that I've had people tell me in the past, like, you should dress up more often. Maybe I should dress up more. Like, this is a great question. I, uh, I almost bought some clothes today, uh, but they were more like tank tops for the gym. <laughs> you, <laughs> so have, could... you have like the archetype, like, like the dressing up would make you look so sharp. Um, but I'm, I, the reason I asked that question is because I, for, I, when I own gyms, I showed up in workout clothes or shirtless everywhere I went. And so I'm just starting to like play dress up uh, because of this network marketing organization and being on Zooms with other people's prospects. Uh, and surprisingly, I, I, I like it. It's like a surprising thing, but I'm still like unsure on how my authentic self feels about it, you know? Well, in my, in my opinion, and this is like for makeup and for clothes and everything, it's like, is this highlighting what you are or is it hiding what you are? I think it's more of an issue if you're trying to hide what you are, but it sounds like you're maybe stepping into that like decorative power of highlighting what you are. And I think that's cool. Like I have so much respect for people in the fashion industry. Holy mackerel. I yeah. Mean, yeah. These people are geniuses and this has been going on forever as well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for asking. That was a good now. It reminds me I need to take my dressing up maybe a little more sincerely. <laughs> I'll tell JJ you made that happen. So uh thanks again. Nice. Yeah. Happy to be here. It was awesome. It was actually an honor to be here. I've looked up to your work for a really long time. Mm, mm, nice. Well, it's good that it's mutual. I love that. I love when I find that out that like that um inspiration is mutual. So thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you soon. <laughs> take care. Yes, man. sir. Later.